I was thinking about uh, what to speak on and just praying about what to speak on tonight. And the the same theme kept coming to my mind this, this year was how impractical this holy day, this, this feast of Sukkot is. Now, what do I mean by impractical? Well, to be practical means it has a purpose, it's useful, it's, um, it's, it's just practical, right? You know, think about the impracticality of what we're doing this week, though. And I just spent all day packing up my family's camping stuff, trying to get the house clean, loading up sleeping bags, air mattresses, getting out here. It's pouring down rain. I get a call. My in-laws are broke down. Bless their heart. We go and get them. And they drove seven hours to be here and, and to be a part of this. And, but there's no real earthly incentive to do this. You know what I'm saying? And how many of you, you, like, you feel like you lost about three years of your life getting ready for this week? I know I did. Yeah, and we set up these tents. We set up this sukkah. Look at the sukkah, everybody. Now, it's beautiful. Yeah. It is wonderful to look at and, and use it throughout the week. Sit here and read your Bible and pray in it as well. Eat your food in it. Don't, it's, not, it's not like a museum piece. You can be in the sukkah. You're supposed to be in the sukkah. But think about how impractical, think about how impractical this, this uh, building is. Can, can the rain get through the roof? It can 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 it insulate you very well if it gets cold? No, maybe just a tiny bit. But can the bugs come up through the ground and ants bite you? Yes. It's not a good practical building, is it? It's like, why do we bother doing this? And why do we bother coming out here in the rain and sitting outdoors and being obedient to the commandment that says to dwell in a booth, in a sukkah? It's so impractical, right? And we live in a world that is full of practicality, full of like, well, what do I get out of it? What, what, what is the return on this in my investment? Because I'm not going to do it unless there is one, right? We live in a world that's full of rational thought like that. But this is so irrational. And neighbors, if they walked up here, they'd probably be like, what is going on, right? But... On top of all that, on top of all the practicality, we're supposed to be joyful. And you're like, wait a second, this is miserable. If you're not an outdoorsy person, you're like, there's rain, there's bugs, there's humidity, and I'm supposed to celebrate? That's like going back to the, the, the iron, you know, like that's, just, that's going back in time. That's not, there's no AC, there's no television. There's no comfy bed to sleep on, and I'm supposed to celebrate. But in this impracticality, we're being taught a lesson. We're being taught something, a deeper spiritual lesson. And it's this. Here's the lesson I think we're supposed to learn from how impractical this holy day is. That this life, everybody grab your flesh like this. You feel that? All right. That one day is going to be put in the ground. One day, it will pass away. Now, the eternal aspect of you, called your nephesh or your soul, will go on living, but this life is so fleeting. And all the pleasures that this life has to offer are so fleeting and so temporal. What do I mean? Like, 
They're here today, but gone tomorrow. All right. I can take you back in history and show you how people's 401ks overnight have melted down. Right now, people in China are just in going bonkers over their retirement plans, just melting down because of this Evergrande thing that's going on. I could take you back to 2007, 2008, and people jumping off of buildings and out of windows because they realize that everything that they worked hard in their life has just come crashing down. All the ones and zeros that they saved up in a bank account somewhere in some database on some server has suddenly just been wiped clean. This life is so temporal. And that to derive true happiness from the temporal aspects of this life is absurd. Let me say it again. We're supposed to learn from doing this that the life, our houses, our comfy beds, our televisions, all of that is temporal and it will never be able to make us happy. Money, success, notoriety will not bring one happiness. And this week, we're supposed to learn that. But there's another side of the coin. What is that? We're supposed to learn what does bring us happiness. What does bring us joy and wholeness and completion. That's what we're supposed to take away from this week. You see, Solomon, King Solomon, you know, people say he's the wisest man. He wrote three main literary works. One is, one is um, Ecclesiastes, or in Hebrew, Kohelet. And we're supposed to read that this week and, and meditate on, on Kohelet, Ecclesiastes. And the book of Ecclesiastes is like, hey, do this, live for this, you know, achieve that. But in the end, it's all like a vapor. It's all like absurdities. But at the very end, the last verse of the book of Ecclesiastes, it's beautiful. He said, this is the summary of man. That you fear God and keep his commandments. That brings you true joy, true happiness. If you have a Bible or a phone, go to Leviticus 23 real fast. Because that's why we're here. Leviticus 23. And I'm going to start, Leviticus 23, I'm going to start in verse 33. Adonai said to Moshe, Tell the people of Israel that on the 15th day of the seventh month is the feast of Sukkot, for seven days to Adonai. On the first day there is to be a holy convocation. Now look around. You're convocating. Good job. Do not do any kind of ordinary work. For seven days you are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. On the eighth day you're to have another holy convocation. And bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. Is it a day of public assembly? Do not do any kind of ordinary work. Verse 37. These are the designated times of Adonai that you are to proclaim as holy convocations and bring an offering made by fire to Adonai, a burnt offering, a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, 
each on its own day. And the book of Numbers talks about the 70 bulls of Sukkot. This is the only offering um, that, that actually starts off and it grows as, as, the, as the, the holy day, as, the, as the, um, the week goes on, the amount of bulls that were to be brought in the temple during temple times would eventually add up to 70. What is 70 always a number symbolizing? The nations, yeah. Verse 39, but on the 15th day of the seventh month, everybody say today. today. When you have gathered the produce of your land, you are to observe the festival of Adonai for seven days. The first day is to be a day of complete rest. And on the eighth day, it is to be a day of complete rest. On the first day, you are to take choice fruits, palm fronds, thick branches, and river willows, and celebrate in the presence of Adonai your God for seven days. Now, I have that. We, we're good. I got it covered. Now, here in my hand, who knows what this is called? Lulav. A lulav. Yeah, this was shipped to us from Israel. All right, these are, these are species that grew in Israel. These are called the four species. And if you were here last year, I taught on the four species and what they symbolize, who they symbolize, I should say. Um, but I'm not going to get into that too much tonight. But we got the choice fruit. We got the myrtle branches. We got a palm frond and we got a willow. Now, the Torah doesn't tell us why we're supposed to gather these. The Torah just says... Hey, when you celebrate Sukkot, do it with these four species. But now we could talk about the symbolism and everything, but we're not going to do that tonight. But what we traditionally do is we gather them together, we hold them in our hand, and we shake them in the four cardinal directions and then up and down, okay? Showing, hey, we've, we've been obedient. We might not know exactly why you told us to do this, but we're doing it. But we kind of know why. Now we do. But these represent four types of people. And this is the, this is the, the, the theme of this holy day is in gathering, okay? It's all about gathering a people unto himself. All right, so he's taking an agricultural event called the harvest, and he's saying, I'm gonna teach you something spiritual through the harvest, that I want all the people to come and pay respect to me, the king, during these seven days, all right? So we left off on Leviticus 23, verse 39, verse 40, uh, verse 41. You are to observe as a feast, a moed to Adonai, seven days in the year. It is a temporary regulation until Jesus dies. No. It's a chukat olam, a permanent regulation. From generation to generation, keep it in the seventh month. You are to live or dwell in a sukkah. All right, now what that means to dwell in one, some would say, uh, just eat your meals in a sukkah. Some would say you live, you sleep in a sukkah, a temporary shelter. So there's different, uh, for thousands of years, that has been debated. What, to what extent do we live in a sukkah? Okay? Like last year, I, I slept all seven nights out here in the sukkah and got rained on and everything. It was a lot of fun. All right. Verse uh, 43. So that every generation after generation of you will know that I made the people of Israel live in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. So there we have it. The Torah says, do this. Why does it say to do it? Well, it kind of does. So that we'll remember something. What do we got to remember? Coming out of Egypt and dwelling where? 
and and temporary dwellings yeah and then what was done during did did the people of Israel start planting field like fields of wheat and and grain and all this stuff and barley no they were on the move they couldn't do that so what was provided to them manna and quail right so it's the, we're supposed to remember living in temporary structures and being provided for like newborn babies, right? That's what we're supposed to remember from this. So did you notice in there, however, it's supposed to be what month? Seventh month. How many days long? Seven days long. Plus one, yeah. And then what number of holy days is this? It's the seventh. If you count from Passover to today, this is the seventh of the Moedim. So you've got the seventh month for seven days. It's the seventh Moed. Now the number seven in Hebrew, boys, the number seven in Hebrew is Shiva. And it comes from the roots Sava. Sava. Now you guys all right now, if you went through that line, I promise you, you are Sava. What is Sava? You're satiated, you're full, you're satisfied. You see, the number seven is closely connected to the idea of being satisfied. So do you see the connection? We're here on the seventh month, celebrating the seventh feast for seven days. What is he trying to tell us? Don't worry, I got you. The world may be going to pot. But if you trust in me, you'll be satisfied. Now, you may even lose your physical life. That's okay. I redeemed it. It belongs to me anyways, so he says, right? It belongs to me. If you lose it on my account, that's okay. But, what do he say? Fear him who? Yeah, kill the soul and the body. So, this week, we're supposed to be satiated and satisfied. And think about his providence for us. That's why you can see through the roof. We're like, okay, we're admitting, we're admitting by having this open roof like this, we can't do a good job of really providing for ourselves. We're making ourselves vulnerable to the elements and saying, God, we're just going to trust you. If it rains, it rains. If it's cold, it's cold. If there's mosquitoes, there's mosquitoes. But we're going to really just trust you. Now we're doing this a physical thing to teach us something inward, aren't we? Like, if the economy crashes, it crashes. If there's a pandemic, there's a pandemic, right? If there's riots in the streets, if China's doing that, if Russia's doing this, if North Korea's pointing that, you know what? I'm just gonna rely on God. I am satiated on His goodness and His grace because I serve a greater kingdom. I'm part of a different kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, which is the second point I want to talk to you about tonight. We talked about how every feast day points us back to something. Like we're supposed to look back this week and be like, oh yeah, I remember the wilderness. I remember being provided for. But also every feast day tells us to look forward to something. What does Sukkot tell us to look forward to? The marriage supper of the Lamb, exactly. Now, let's, t let's talk back a little bit here. We, we, um, we, we got, we got um, betrothed to at Shavuot. Remember, the creator of the universe betrothed himself to us. And he's like, if you are faithful, I will be like a husband to you.
But were we faithful? No. 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 And he, he was even like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll build a house and I'll dwell in the house and you can come in and you can, you can be with me in the house. And then after Shavuot comes the ninth of Av. What happened on the ninth of Av? The house that was being prepared for the bride is demolished because they were found, the bride was found unfaithful. Then what do we say about Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets? What are we saying when we blow the shofar? The bride is ready. Come, take the bride. We're ready for you. We're spotless. Receive us now. And then what do we say on Yom Kippur when we're saying the prayers? All right, let's put our money where our mouth is. Here we are. Judge us. Judge us. Find us to be found without fault now. Find us to be the pure bride we proclaimed we were. And then what do we do at Sukkot? What are we looking forward to? The marriage supper of the Lamb. And Xavier gets extra credit points for nailing that. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Even in ancient times in Israel, weddings would last for days and days, sometimes seven days. Did you catch that? So we're rehearsing for that time when he's like, you're faithful. I'm going to dwell with you again in my house. You're reliant upon me again. You're broken. You're humbled. You're pure. I'm coming now. I'm, your presence will dwell with you again. It will tabernacle with you again. That's what we're looking forward to. So, in essence, Sukkot is like a big week-long rehearsal. It's like a wedding rehearsal of being under the benevolent rule of a king and the king of the universe and the joining of many sons and daughters into the family of Israel. That's that part where we bring other people in. The 70, the nations are coming in. Zechariah 14 says, Hey nations, if you don't come up to worship the king during the feast of Sukkot, guess what? You won't get rain on your land. But how amazing is it that here we are, before the advent of the kingdom on earth, we're bringing those nations in and saying, Hey, get ready. Get ready. If you can do this now, if you can, if you can perfect this celebration now, You'll be ahead of the game when the king comes. When the bridegroom comes, you'll be good to go, right? And we always get that rain this time of year as Sukkot begins to dawn. I remember there was, I think three years back, we were in like a two-month drought. Maybe longer, three-month drought, I think. And it was so dry. And I'm talking like the minute we put up that sukkah, the skies opened up. And it was like, there's your rain. And this world needs that rain from above more than any other time that I can think of in my lifetime. It needs that pure teaching. Rain is always a symbol of teaching. We need that right now, don't we? We need teaching between what is holy and what is common. What is a human? What is not a human? What is a male? What is a female, right? All these things, we're getting so confused as human beings. We're just muddling up all this stuff that should be clear to us. But when the, when the king comes, the, the pure rain will come. We would call that living water, right? And Yeshua says, during Sukkot, he stands up on the last great day of Sukkot, and he says that, hey, if you believe in me, living water will flow out of your bellies. 
you'll be that source of living water and teaching to people around you. You will illuminate holiness to those around you, right? So the question, the final question tonight about Sukkot, and I've asked this in the past, and we should be asking ourselves this every year, are you the type of person he wants to spend eternity with? Am I the type of person you want to spend eternity with? We should be asking ourselves those questions. And they're very difficult questions. Am I the type of person right now that he wants to spend eternity with? If not, this week is a great opportunity for you and I to become that person. Now, five days from now, many of you will not have slept much. You'll be staying up past your bedtime. Your kids will be out of clean underwear, right? The coffee might come in later than you get at home. But it's in those moments where you're like, you know what? I'm going to be the type of person that Diane wants to spend eternity with or Mary wants to spend eternity with or Todd wants to spend eternity with. I'm going to be the type of person who suffers through that and shows grace to other people, right? Now, this is a great opportunity, again, to rely on the King. There is so much in the world right now, and kids especially, if you're like 13 or younger, the world is trying to snatch you away into a whole other fictitious world that is not real. It's called social media. And it is robbing you and your generation of real social interaction with one another. Where if you don't have the courage to say something in front of someone, you can get on that platform and say it to them and get away with being a jerk to them. Or you can edit how you look before you post it for other people to see. But guys, that, that world is, is not real. It's trying to snatch you away and put you into that world of like, this is real, but it's not real. I was talking with a college professor just the other day, and he was saying that he's, he's helping one school develop a virtual reality classroom. And he's like, not what you think. He's like, you're gonna put on a whole body suit, and you're gonna walk into a classroom in this virtual reality classroom, and I'm gonna be their teacher. And they will walk up to me and I will shake their hand and they will feel their hand pressurize as if I'm really shaking it a thousand miles away. And they'll have virtual recess as young children. Can you imagine that? Like it, let's say COVID restrictions got so crazy that you send your kid to a virtual reality preschool where they stand there in this little hula hoop thing and they put on some goggles and a little suit and that's how they interact with their world. It's crazy, right? But we're just like five or 10 years away from that. What this does, this week serves as a reset for all of us. Now us adults, we look at our bank account and we say, ah, everything's okay. Or we look at our bank account and say, oh, this is not good, right? And our joy, and, and our, our sense of peace and security rides on the curtails of like our bank account and ones and zeros or our relationship with our wives or husbands 
or how often our kids call us or something like that. But this week is the great reset. It's saying, hey, rely on the King of Kings. Enjoy his providence. Be satiated with his goodness and his presence because it's coming soon. Get your mind off of those things and onto eternal things. That's what this week is all about. Let's pray. And then we're going to do praise and worship and dancing. And you guys can hang out and clap and sing and dance. Avinu Malkenu, Father and our King, we long for your return. May you see us. May you remember us out here doing the things you commanded us to do thousands of years ago. Here we are in Dothan, Alabama, celebrating the Feast of Sukkot. May you remember us and may your kingdom come soon and in our days as we do our best to be obedient, as we do our best to be reliant upon your goodness and your providence this week. Shape us and mold us and train us to be the people you want to spend eternity with. And we'll give you all the glory for it. And we pray all of this in the mighty and matchless name of Yeshua. Amen. We're going to start the music up, guys. Um, thank you so much for your attention. Thank you again for everyone who, um, who helped set up the sukkah and the tents over here. Y'all are awesome. It's going to be a great week. Let's do this.